We give you praise, O oh Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God is so good to us. And uh, we're going to go directly to the word of the Lord tonight. I want to speak to you on the subject, understanding revival, understanding revival. And, uh, and Brother Joey Sennett, God bless you. It's so good to see you here tonight. Can we give Brother Joe Sennett a big hand? We love the Sennett family. Amen. And they're, they're doing a great work in Herrick, Illinois as youth pastors, and we just love them and are thankful that, that he's here tonight. Uh, but I want to speak to you about understanding revival. Now, that is a word that we use uh, a lot and talk about it at, here and there. And so I just want to take a moment and make sure we understand what we're saying when we say it. And, uh, and you may hear us say things like, we're in the middle of a red-hot revival. Anybody ever heard that before? Amen. Or, or we're, we're experiencing apostolic revival. Amen. Or you might have heard somebody say, we're, we're having revival services, which, by the way, we are having revival services in just a couple of weeks. Amen. We're going to have Brother Chris Green, October 10th through 13th. And you do not want to miss these revival services. We're going to be having a Holy Ghost time in these services. And before that, uh, Brother uh, Riley Martin is going to come for some pre-revival service and we're, we're just going to have a good time in the Holy Ghost and we're expecting people to be filled with the Holy Ghost and we're expecting there to be miracles, signs and wonders. Amen. Say not four months and then the harvest. Look upon the fields for they are white already to harvest. Now, as you know, we're in the middle of a very unique season uh, at Tree of Life Church. So do stay tuned for where those services will be held. Uh, but uh, we're so thankful to be able to hold our services at Grace Point. Uh, for the time being, and, and we, it is a little up in the air as to when we will not be there and, and be back here. So for the foreseeable future, for the next couple of Sundays for sure, we're going to be worshiping at Grace Point Church, and we will be providing you with better information and further details the more we know. Because what's happening out here is that all of the conduits are being put in place, all of the materials necessary for the utilities to our building are being put in place and then the then the actual uh, Duke Energy comes in and puts in all of our uh, electric and we will have access to the building and so praise the, praise God it's coming it's coming along and uh, but we're thankful to God for what he has done amen amen and you know what what a great testimony as the as to the great church that tree of life is that we're able to go through a season where, man, sometimes we don't even know where we're going to be having church next. But, but the people of God are like, you know what, where two or three are gathered, amen, there he is in the midst of them. And, and uh, the Lord inhabits the praises of Israel. And, and so God bless you for being such a, an amazing congregation. And uh, we're thankful to the Lord for all that he has done. Hasn't he been doing some great things for us over this summer? Amen. We're thankful to God for... Pastor Sizemore and the Grace Point Church, the Grace Point Congregation, uh, for all of their help and assistance. And, uh, but I want to talk to you about understanding revival, because we throw that word around, and we, we need to know what it means. The word revival, the root of that word, is, is the word vive, V-I-V-E, and, and it has a lot of derivatives and, and connecting words, related words. Uh, for instance, you might say of somebody, they are vivacious. Uh, what you mean is that they are full of life because V-I-V-E deals with life. That's what it, it deals with life. 
In fact, that's where we get the uh, word vida, arbol de vida, tree of life. It's, it's a connected word uh, to, to vive or vivacious uh, vida, vitality. Anybody ever gone to the doctor and, and they checked your vitals? It's a related word because it has to do with life. Uh, vida, uh, vita, vegemin. No, I'm, it's <laughs> the uh, vivacious, vitality, uh, vitals, uh, revive. Uh, these all have to do, even the word victuals is a word connected to uh, the word revive or vive, and so uh, even it's even where we get the word vibe. Uh, these all are connected words, and it and it, it deals with life. So when we talk about revive, we are talking about life again. That's what we're talking about. So we know that God formed man. Genesis chapter two. God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now that happened, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Man became a living soul. Now we know that man fell, and we know that that, that living uh, turned to dying. And he who was to live and be fruitful and multiply, and he who was to uh, just have all access to the wonderful uh, everlasting life that God can provide, ended up going into sin, and with sin comes death. Don't think you can commit sin and not have death. If you commit sin, it's going to bring death. Death always comes with sin. Sin never travels alone. Sin never travels alone. Sin always has a companion, and that companion is always death. So if you're in sin, repent from your sin, because you're toying and tinkering with death. And so that's man's story man had life man became a living soul and then he he fell into sin and sin brought death and so there needs to be a reviving there needs to be a revival there needs to be a breathing of life again into the soul of man bringing bringing life to man yet again and so this is a word, revive, is a word that is used in the Bible. The word revival is not, uh, but the word revive is used in the word of the Lord. And I want to take you to a couple of places where it is used, reading from uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. And uh, I'm going to begin at 20, the 21st verse, 1 Kings 17. Here we have the great account of the prophet uh, Elijah dealing with the widow at Zarephath, and he brought great miracles to her home. The Lord prepared her to feed him, and then the Bible says that her son died. And here Elijah is in the home. There's this is supposed to be a great time of, of uh, joy, a great time of miraculous provision, but instead death visits the home, and the son dies, verse 21 the Bible says that Elijah stretched himself upon the child three times. And I just want you to notice that, okay? He stretched himself upon the child three times. Now, there was no, there aren't a lot of uh, precedent, or precedent, there's not a lot of precedent for that kind of, of uh, action to be taken. 
And yet Elijah felt that that was necessary. And so he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. He revived. That was a revival. The child had been alive, the child died, and the man of God stretched himself out upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord, Lord, let this child's soul come into him again, and he lived and in verse 23, Elijah took the child, brought him down out of the chamber into the house, delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Now I want to turn your attention to 2 Kings chapter 13, and we're going to look at another area where this word revive is mentioned in the scriptures. 2 Kings chapter 13 verse 21. It came to pass as they were burying a man, that behold they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. Now that is a very unique miracle in the Bible. That this man is dead and they see that there is a, a band of men and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha the prophet. Elisha the prophet had been a great man of God who performed many miracles. But now he is no longer on the earth. He has died. And it's interesting I should note that Elijah the prophet performed seven miracles. Elisha asked for a double portion. And so he received Elijah's mantle. And Elijah said, if you see me ascend, you'll be able to have a double portion of my anointing, my spirit, the Bible says. And the mantle came down. Elisha receives it. And while he lived, he performed 13 miracles. But there his bones lie in the grave. And they throw a man in on top of his bones, and there's one more miracle left in those bones. You know, the promises of God stand sure and steadfast. Hallelujah. Even if somebody goes on to the Lord before the promise is fulfilled, the promise of God shall be fulfilled. Praise the Lord. And so Elisha's bones are just laying there in the grave. They throw the dead man in on his bones. And as soon as that dead body touched those anointed bones, the, the body came back to life. The Bible said he revived and stood up on his feet. So these are miracles of revival. And that's what revival is. It is when the breath of God enters the picture again. It's when the breath of God breathes upon something that was dead and is made alive. That is a revival. When we have a revival service, what we're doing is we're saying, we're going to let the breath of God breathe upon us. And anything that should be alive but died somewhere along the line, along the way, it's going to come to life again. You know, every time we gather together, 
there is a revival atmosphere. Hallelujah. You don't have to wait for the special speaker to come. You don't have to wait for the uh, designated dates on the calendar. Those dates are going to be filled with glory and power and, and the might of God on display. But you don't have to wait for that. You can have victory right now. You can have a Holy Ghost victory right now. And that word victory is connected to the word vive. Praise God. And so, so we look at this matter of the breathing of God upon dead things. And, and that breath of God causes the dead thing to come to life again. We see this in the story or the vision of the prophet Ezekiel. Uh, when the prophet Ezekiel in the 37th chapter saw the valley of dry bones. And the Lord said, can these bones live? Now, I love it when God asks questions because when God asks questions, he's not looking for information. God was not, he was not somebody lost in the mall trying to find where Dillard's was. Can these bones live? No, he knew the answer and he was posing a question as to lead Ezekiel to an understanding of the fact that, yes, these bones most certainly can live and I'm going to show you how to do it, prophesy to these bones. And then he said, prophesied to the wind. After he prophesied to the bones, the bones came together. And then he said, now prophesied to the wind. And as he prophesied to the wind, that wind of God began to move into those old bones. Now that, those old bones represented an army that once lived, that once fought, that once was victorious, that once delivered people. That at one time they were strong, at one time they were disciplined, at one time they moved in formation. But somewhere along the way they encountered the enemy. And the enemy brought a, an onslaught against them. And they fell in that valley. But when the word comes forth, the word of prophecy to the bones and the word of prophecy to the wind, hallelujah, the word of prophecy to the bones is the preaching of the word of God. And it's the declaration of the word of God. You know, I'm preaching tonight. I'm teaching tonight. And I'm, I'm declaring the word of God over this pulpit. But do you know, you don't have to stand behind this pulpit in order to preach the word of God. You can declare the word of God over you and every circumstance you're facing. Wherever you are. That's prophesying to the bones. Prophesying to the winds is prayer. Hallelujah. It's when you get into a place of prayer and you make your petitions known and you bring your supplications to God and you repent and you, and you bring thanksgiving to the Lord and then you begin to move into an area of intercessory prayer. Hallelujah. And you start to prophesy to the winds as you begin to pray and the Spirit of the Lord begins to move upon the very circumstances you're praying about. Don't you know that when you, as you're praying it, it is done. As the words are coming out of your mouth, those aren't just words. Those are the words of faith. It is the word of faith that is nigh thee even in thy mouth. Praise the Lord. And so, so this is what we have to understand about revival. So, so God uh, uh, wants to breathe his wind into our lungs again. And he wants to make some things come to life that may have died along the way. 
If you used to pray more than you pray now, God wants to bring that back to life. If you used to be more dedicated than you are now, God wants to bring that back to life. If you used to be more forgiving than you are now, God wants to bring that back to life. If you were more passionate about the reaching of lost souls and preaching the gospel to those who are lost than you are today, God wants to bring that back to life. Something may have distracted you along the way. Somewhere life got busy. Somewhere you got hurt. Somewhere, somehow, you can. there's a different reason for everything. But God wants to breathe on you again. That's revival. When the wind of God begins to breathe upon you, that's revival. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God wants to breathe life into some anointing that the enemy tried to steal from you. God wants to breathe life into some prayer and fasting that you used to engage in and don't engage in it as much anymore. God wants to breathe life into that burden for prayer, that burden for fasting. That burden for reaching lost souls. God wants to breathe. Hallelujah. Breathe his, his spirit, the wind of God upon the valley of dry bones. Praise the Lord. Yes, he does. And so that's why we're having revival. That's why we're having revival services. And so you say, well, what does that, how does that correlate? You know, we, we, it's a very broad term. We're having revival. We're going to have revival services. And, and so it's, it's a broad term. That we use. The, the reason that we're doing this is that it allows for the body of Christ to receive ministry that is, that, that opens up the faith of the people and that opens up the windows of heaven. So, what I want us to do is I want us to be in fasting and prayer as we lead up to these revival services. Again, it's October 3rd with Brother Riley Martin, October 10th through 13th with Brother Christopher Green, and we're going to have a Holy Ghost revival service. Now, you know that the enemy has come against the church in 2020 and 2021, and you know what we're getting ready to do, what God is getting ready to do in our midst. It'll, it, it absolutely is going to blow our minds, but we are in a position of patience and persistence and faithfulness, and God said, I want to blow my wind upon my church. I want my wind to come into my people, and I want to revive them again. Hallelujah. Notice what Habakkuk said in Habakkuk. Uh, we're going to read Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse number 2. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse number 2. If you can't uh, find it, I'll read it to you. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. Habakkuk had been made privy to some of the thoughts of God, some of the words of God, some of the things God was going to do if people didn't straighten up. I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. You know where we are right now? We're in the midst of the years. And Habakkuk said, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, Remember mercy. What we want God to do in the middle of where we are right now is revive the work. Revive the work he has begun in each and every individual that's here tonight. Those that are watching online. Those that aren't here and aren't watching online. Lord, help them and forgive them. 
God wants to revive the whole body. God wants to revive the whole church. God wants to revive each and every one of us. Hallelujah, with a Holy Ghost revival. Revival that'll quicken your soul, quicken your spirit. It'll turn you to prophesying. It'll turn you to praying. It'll turn you to interceding. It'll turn you to fasting. It'll turn you to the working of miracles. It'll operate the gift of healing inside of you. It'll operate the word of knowledge inside of you. I'm talking about an old-fashioned revival. When I say old-fashioned revival, I don't mean outdated. I'm talking about the kind of revival we read about in the book of Acts and the kind of revival you remember when God picked you up and turned you around and placed your feet on a solid ground. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the Lord gave pastors and apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists to the church for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ and for the perfecting of the saints. Revival, as we call it, it's, it's, it's most, the purest meaning of the word is God breathing upon his people, breathing life upon his people. And we rightly uh, use the word to describe the kind of meeting we're going to have where God's going to breathe upon his people. And so when we have this revival, we are appropriating those ministries into the body of Christ. The ministries of the apostle and the prophet and the pastor and the teacher and the evangelist. It is not enough for just one or two or even a three of those ministries to operate. We need apostolic, prophetic, pastoral teaching evangelistic ministry to operate in the church of the living God. That is what edifies the body of Christ. That is what works the ministry. That is what perfects the saints of God. And if you're used to one particular way of having church, it can get a little unnerving when you get into the middle of a red-hot revival and God is just breathing on his people, if you're used to sitting there and watching everybody do everything for you, and you're used to coming in, singing a song or two, and, and hearing a sermon, and, and praying a little bit, and leaving, and that's the way it always has to be, you're in for a rude awakening. Because that's not how it always has to be. That's good, that's decent, that's orderly, there's nothing wrong with it. But the body of Christ, when revival is happening, when the wind of God is blowing, things happen that become powerful, that become, that become energetic, that become momentous, and God begins to move, and he doesn't need our permission on how he begins to move. I remember some old-time revivals growing up. Lord have mercy. And you know the, the evangelists that come through and preach revivals, God moves on them in very unique ways. Very interesting ways. I, again, I want to notice, I want you to notice what Elijah did. Elijah stretched himself out upon the child three times. Now there's no place where the Lord said, stretch yourself out upon the child three times. But Elijah, in that moment, 
it's fallen to him to raise this child back to life. I got, I've got to figure out what to do. And so, so Elijah feels compelled to, to act in a way of obedient faith to the Spirit of the Lord. And by the time he has prayed and cried unto the Lord and said, Lord, bring this child's soul back into his body. There's a, a, a child that is alive that once was dead. And, he's, and Elijah's bringing him out, showing him to the house, saying, here you go. Your son's alive. Praise God. I remember evangelists coming through, and they would do some unusual things. I remember Brother Mike Anderson, one of the great evangelists that would come through and minister in our church growing up from Houston, Texas, and he would come through, and, and God would move upon him, and he would say, all right, we're going to have a prayer line. We're going to have a prayer line, and, and he'd have everybody line up. Whoever needed prayer, whatever you need a prayer for, and he'd lay hands and have all of us laying hands on everybody that came through the prayer line. Well, that's unusual. That's not what you do every single Wednesday night. It's, it's a little un unusual, and there's nothing that says you've got to do it that way. But he felt compelled of the Lord to do that, and people were healed, and people were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. There were other times he'd have a prayer line and he'd say, all right, everybody that needs the Holy Ghost, come in this line. And everybody that needs healing, you go in that line. And so there'd be a Holy Ghost line and a healing line. There were other times he'd set out two chairs and say, all right, everybody that needs the Holy Ghost, you come sit in this chair. And anybody that needs healing, you come sit in this chair. And, 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 and you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. That's what I'm trying to tell you. When revival's happening, it isn't going to always make sense. When revival's happening, you go with the flow. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and you hear the sound thereof. But you can't tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to let this confused world dictate to me how the Spirit of God is supposed to operate. They heaped to themselves teachers having itching ears. We've got enough teachers and people wanting those teachers who have itching ears. We need a bona fide, red hot, Holy Ghost, apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic revival. Hallelujah. Where sinners repent. Where sinners know that they're sinners. There was a day when sinners knew they were sinners. And they didn't have a lot of false prophets and false teachers telling them their sin was fine. And that they're fine in their sin. And that God doesn't care about their sin. And that they can go into judgment with sin and they're going to be okay. It's the blind leading the blind and they're all falling into a ditch. We need revival. We need the wind of God to blow upon his people. Hallelujah. Praise God. So it doesn't always make sense. My goodness, I, I've seen preachers, evangelists, as the, as the gifts of the Spirit go into operation, they would, they would take somebody by the hand and just walk them back and forth three times across the front of the church. And that's all they did. Then they tell them to go sit down. That's all they did. And you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Doesn't have to make any sense. Let God be God. We're in the middle of revival. The wind is blowing. The Spirit is moving. 
Hallelujah. And God will lead you to do certain things. And he will, he will lead men of God who come in and preach. Those who come into the house of God and begin to preach the word of God. He's going to move upon them to say certain things, do certain things, act in certain ways, take particular actions. And they don't always seem to, to, to have a lot of rhyme or reason. But when God is in it, you can trust it. Praise God. I've seen people get nervous when the Holy Ghost starts operating. And the, the man or the woman of God, as they begin to minister, the, the Holy Ghost begins to operate. And they begin to follow the leading of the Spirit. And people start getting nervous because we've gone past two songs in a sermon now. Because we've gone past this in the way we normally do things. And, and, and that's exactly right. Because the way we normally do things, it needs to have some disruption to it. Praise God. So don't get nervous when a, when a preacher begins to say, all right, I feel like people need to line up right here that need a healing touch. And, and don't get nervous when they say, here's a chair, you come sit in it, and we're going to pray that God deliver you from whatever has you in bondage. Don't get nervous when they start demonstrating. And, you, and there is biblical precedent for it. I want to take you to the way Jesus would operate for just a moment. Let's look at this. Matthew chapter uh, 9, and I want to read to you from the uh, 28th verse, Matthew chapter uh, 9. And actually we're going to look at verse, uh, verse 21. Verse 20, Behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Now I want you to understand what he's saying there. He says to her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith hath made thee whole. It was your faith that made you whole. Yes, you touched the hem of my garment, but it was your faith that made you whole. Yes, you came in contact with me, but it was your faith that made you whole. And you're going to find this over and over again throughout the scriptures. Let's look at just a few verses later, Matthew 9, 28. When Jesus was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. Talking about healing their blind eyes. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes. Why did he touch their eyes? I don't know, but he did. He touched their eyes and said this, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. So this woman touches the hem of his garment. He didn't even touch the woman. She touched him. And then when she was made whole, he looked at her and said, it was your faith that did it. Jesus is standing there, but it was her faith that did it. He's got on a garment that has a hem on it, but it was her faith that did it. There's virtue flowing out of his body, but it was her faith that did it. That's the power of faith. And he, before he touched their eyes, he didn't touch their eyes until he said, Do you believe I am able to do this? And they said, Yes, Lord. He touched their eyes and their eyes were opened. And he said, According to your faith, be it unto you. So many times what happens, the reason that a, a, a vessel of God who is a, 
in operating in an apostolic or prophetic or evangelistic or teaching or pastoral ministry, the, many times the reason they are led by God to put out a chair or set up a prayer line or, 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 or anoint a prayer cloth, it is because faith needs to be built in the person. And there are certain things that God knows that nobody else in that room knows. And he whispers directives and directions. And nobody, including the preacher, knows why they're doing it. But they're just led of God to, 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 to do something that they've never done before. They'll, they'll just say, hey, you, over there, you come over here and lay hands on them. And it'll be somebody that, that doesn't even normally operate in that kind of a ministry. But God is confirming something with that person and with this person. And faith is rising because it is the faith that brings the miracle. Amen. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Paul said, I came not to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with the demonstration of the spirit and of power. We talk a lot about the spirit and a lot about power, but he talked about the demonstration of the spirit and power. And why? He said there's a very important reason why we talk about the demonstration of spirit and power and not enticing words of man's wisdom so that your faith will stand in the power of God and not in the wisdom of man. There are a lot of people whose faith stands in the wisdom of man. That is the sand that the foolish man built his house upon. It will fall when the storm comes. But when your faith stands in the power of God, that is the house that is built upon the rock, and it will withstand the storms that come your way. So when we're in the middle of revival, just get ready, because th there's going to be operation of the Holy Ghost, and the minister will feel to flow in certain ways, and God is speaking to them. Their heart is open to the directive of the Spirit because of the fact that they've been praying, they've been fasting. That's why we need to be in prayer and be fasting so that we're all with one accord in one place, allowing the Spirit of the Lord to begin to move among us. This is when people receive the Holy Ghost. This is when people are healed. This is when miracles begin to happen. This is when chains begin to break. When all all God's people are praying and fasting in expectation of the moving of the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 15. Let's keep on reading. Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 28. Now this is a particular account in the scripture that is so befuddling to many people. But I want to take a moment here. Jesus, verse 21. Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast, cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. First of all, she said, Have mercy on me. That's how you approach God. Have mercy on me. O Lord, thou son of David. She knew who he was. You are Lord. She was not Jewish. She was a Syrophoenician woman. Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. She knew he was Messiah. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. He did not answer her. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So at that point, she goes away, right? At that point, he just, he didn't, he ignored her. How rude, right? 
That's how we act today when we go to God in prayer about something and he doesn't respond to us. We walk away saying, well, I guess it just wasn't supposed to be the will of God. That's not what she did. She started by saying, have mercy on me. Then she came in verse 25 and worshipped him, saying, Lord. Again, she calls him Lord. Help me. <laughs> I love the fact that when he ignored her, she did not stop. She came to him again. He answered and said, now he answers and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Uh-oh, he just called her a dog. So now there is offense added to insult, insult added to offense. First she was ignored, now she's called a dog. This is when people typically will walk away from a thing that they bring to God in prayer. That's not what she did. She said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Ah, Lord, that was a fast turnaround. No, it wasn't. He knew what he was doing the whole time. He was bringing her into that great faith. She started out saying, have mercy. Then it turned into help me then, and, and worship. She worshiped him. Hallelujah. And she said, the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And I'm just going to tell you that she had a revelation of who he was, that he was the Messiah. She not only had a revelation that he was the Messiah, but she knew that when he talked about casting the children's meat to dogs, that he was referring to himself, that he was for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She said, you're right. I know who you are. But I know your body's going to be broken, and the crumbs are going to fall everywhere. And when your body is broken, that opens the door for me to step into the same blessing that the children of Israel have a hold of. So I know why you came to this earth. You are the Lord, and I need mercy, and I need help, and I worship you. And you're right. I am nothing but a dog. But I know you're going to a hill called Calvary, and I know your body is going to be pierced with many sorrows. And I know there's a blessing for me. Jesus wasn't playing games with her. Jesus wasn't. He, he knew the whole time he was leading her along into a place where she could have the faith that would deliver her child from being vexed by a devil. Praise God. And, and notice what he said. Oh, woman, great is thy faith. It comes down to faith. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And we're going to look at this great uh, account where... These lepers came to Jesus, and when they come to Jesus, they need a healing touch. Luke 17, the Bible says, came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through, verse 11, Samaria and Galilee, as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priest, and it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. That's an amazing miracle. That was an act of obedience. They were not cleansed of their leprosy when he told them to go show themselves to the priest. When he said, go show yourself to the priest, and the priest would be the one to determine whether they were leprous or not. So when he said, go show yourself to the priest, they were, they were basically going back to the doctor to get confirmation of whatever 
they were going to get confirmation of. And here they go. He said to go, so here they go. They're limping along. They are dragging along. They are, they are trying their best to gain the strength to go. Their hands are withered. Their nerves are, are tattered and torn. But they're trying to do what the Lord told them to do. That's the word of faith. And their going in response to the word of faith was an act of obedience. And that act of obedience brings the miraculous. And it doesn't always make sense. Go show yourself to the priest. He just uttered it. Go show yourself to the priest. It's similar to when Elisha told Naaman, go dip seven times in the Jordan River. It didn't make sense. But he said to go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River. And there's nothing magical about the Jordan River. There was nothing magical about it. But, but there, is, there is a miraculous power in obedience to the word of faith. Hallelujah. There is miraculous power in obedience to the word of faith. So while they're walking along to go show themselves to the priest, the Bible says while they walked, they were cleansed. Praise God. Praise God. I'm telling you what, ladies and gentlemen, there's something that happens when you feel compelled of God to do something in faith believing. You do that. You do that. In Jesus' name. It reminds me of the young lady from Germany who was unable to have a child. And uh, they had told her she would never have children, but she believed that the Lord was going to bless her with a child. And uh, she was in Brother and Sister Enos' church, and she went out and bought maternity clothes and started wearing the maternity clothes. She started, didn't need them. And, 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 and the doctor said you'd never need them. But she started wearing the maternity clothes and said, I believe, I believe I'm going to demonstrate that I have faith in God. The Lord opened her womb. And she conceived and brought forth children because there's something miraculous about operating in obedience to the word of faith. Luke chapter 17, we're continuing on now. They go show themselves to the priest. They're cleansed as they go. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. Fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. Now when he says stranger, he means this is not a, this is not a, a child of Abraham in the purest sense. They are, they are part Jewish, but they are not fully Jewish. And he says they are not found to return to give glory to God except this stranger. Notice did you notice that there was a Syrophoenician woman in Matthew 15 who received her healing? When Jesus says the greatest faith I've ever seen in all of Israel, he didn't speak of an Israelite. He spoke of a Roman centurion. In one place he explained to them, he said, you know, there were lots of lepers in Israel, but, but in the days of Naaman, but Naaman was the only one healed. Naaman was not Jewish. He was a Syrian. He was a Syrian man. And, and what the Bible is telling us, is that those who were closest to God many times took it for granted the power of God, took it for granted the ability of God to heal, took it for granted the ability of God to save. And so God had to go pour out His miracles upon people who were not even a part of the blessed lineage of Abraham. God forbid it would ever be said of His church. God forbid it would ever be said of His church. 
that we have grown so accustomed to and so complacent with, and we've got down into our little ruts and routines, and it's supposed to be this way, and it's got to be that way, and if anything disrupts that, then, then I don't even know what to do with myself. God forbid that's not how the Holy Ghost operates. The Holy Ghost is in charge. The Holy Ghost does what the Holy Ghost does. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so the Bible said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save the stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Hallelujah. Thy faith, your faith did it. Your faith has made you whole. Jesus, when he performed miracles, notice when he performed the miracle of the blind man, he touched his eyes. But that's not always what he did. Another time, he spit in the ground and made, made clay of the spittle mixed with the dirt of the ground. And he applied that to the man's eyes and then said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. There was nothing magical about the spit and there was nothing magical about the pool of Siloam. But for whatever reason, and he doesn't explain why, but for whatever reason, that was the way he wanted to demonstrate faith in that moment. And the man received it, and he acted in obedience to the word of faith, and he went and washed in the pool of Siloam, and when he washed the spittle away and the pool of Siloam, he could see. You say, I don't understand that. Neither do I. But that's what happened. And you don't have to understand the things of the Spirit. And if you say you do, then you are dealing with some other issues. The Bible said, just like you don't know how those bones grow in the womb, you don't know the way of the Spirit. Just like you, you tell me where to go get bone material. You tell me which Lowe's, wherever, or Home Depot has some good bone material that you can go put together some human bones. No, you don't know and I don't know where those come from, but they grow in that womb. It's a miracle of God. It happens under the surface. It happens where the human eye cannot behold it and the human mind cannot perceive it. No matter how smart you get, regardless of how educated you become, don't you ever forget his ways are above your ways and his thoughts are above your thought. Hallelujah. I don't know why he spit in the ground. I, 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 I have some interesting thoughts about it, but I, I can't tell you that I know why he spit in the ground and why he put it in the man's eyes and why he said to go wash in the pool of Siloam. I think it all has symbolism. I believe there, there are metaphors involved there where he was teaching about the, the incarnation of Christ and the washing of baptism, but I won't get into all that right now. I'll just say that when God wants to move, he moves how he wants to move. Hallelujah. Let me tell you this. When he healed the man of his, of his deaf condition and his mute condition, the man could not hear and the man could not speak. The Bible says that Jesus put his fingers in his ears, touched his tongue, spit, and said, be open. And he was healed. He could hear and he could speak. 
He didn't do that for everybody that he opened their ears. And he didn't do spit in the ground for everybody that he opened their eyes. I don't know why he did it the way he did it. Here some different way. And there another way. But whatever he did, the whole time he was doing it, the faith of the people was rising. The faith of the people, it was developing into the kind of faith that can open the eyes of the blind and unlock the ears of the deaf. And I'm going to tell you something. When God says, do this, do it. When God says, Say that. Say it. When God says, put a chair out. Put a prayer line out. You do what God says to do. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to tell, tell you what our world needs. Our world needs revival. Man, when revival is happening, you'll have people all over the city being healed. When revival is happening, you'll have people sitting in their living rooms, and they'll get up out of their living room, get in the car, drive to this building and say, I don't know why, but I feel like I need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what happens when you're having revival, because the wind of God is blowing. And it's blowing in Montgomery, and it's blowing in Finneytown, and it's blowing on the north side and the south side and over the river and over the Rhine and on the east side and on the west side. You better hear what I'm preaching. You got to get on board and be a part of what God is doing in this last day. Hallelujah. 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 I've seen preachers get up and say, everybody just praise the Lord in the dance. When they do that, you better do what you can. Glory to God, just dance. You don't have to be a great dancer. Just pick it up and put it down. Pick it up and put it down. That's all you got to do is pick it up and put it down. Just act in faith. Act in obedience. And let God be God. Let the Lord do what the Lord is going to do. God is going to have a people. God is going to have a people. Let me tell you something. God's people are going to do what he tells them to do. And if that's not us, then we can forget about it. We're nothing special. We are nothing special. We are here because God is good. And, and if he spared not the natural branches, what makes you think that you and I can go worship other gods and not be cast aside like the natural branches? Those of us who are grafted in by the sheer mercy of God. Those of us who are grafted in by the mere goodness and benevolence of the Lord. You think you can go bow down at the other idols of this culture and this generation and God still be fine with it? Somebody lied to you and you believed it. And if you believe a lie, you'll be damned. Ha. No, no, I want revival. I want revival. I want Holy Ghost revival. I want the kind of revival that drives me to praying. I want the kind of revival that drives me to repenting. I want the kind of revival, hallelujah, that makes me love my neighbor. I want the kind of revival that wakes me up in the middle of the night with somebody to pray for. I want the kind of revival that makes me feel like sacrificing. I want the kind of revival where the sick are healed, where the sinner is saved. Hallelujah. Where revelation sweeps the city. Come on all across this house. Lift your hands and give God praise. Lift your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yeah, your co-workers are supposed to be saved. Your neighbors are supposed to be saved. Your family, they're supposed to be saved. Your friends, they're supposed to be saved. Woo! Hallelujah. Come on, I think God wants to start something right now. God wants to start something in your soul right now. God wants to begin something in you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My God. I'm going to tell you what. I'm done. I'm done. You can stand with me. But listen. Listen, I want you to know something. When you start praying and fasting, when you start seeking the face of God, and there's a true hunger and thirst for the things of the Lord inside of you, and you start setting these little pieces of technology aside, and you start putting aside all the distractions of the world, and you say, no, I'm going to be shut in with God in a secret place, beholding His power to run this race. Hallelujah. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to emerge from those prayer meetings. And even in those prayer meetings, the still small voice of God will whisper in your ear. And he'll tell you to do stuff that doesn't make any sense. Hallelujah. And you'll just feel like going to Target and not buying anything. But just walking in the parking lot and looking over by where they put the shopping carts. And there'll be somebody standing there. And ten minutes before you showed up, they were saying, God, I need somebody to come along and give me direction. I I need somebody. What are you talking about? I'm talking about revival. 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 Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it'll get a hold of you, and you'll just you'll come up out of that prayer meeting. He'll interrupt your prayer meeting. He'll stop you cold while praying and say, send a text to so-and-so right now and tell them this. And it'll be a confirmation of something they were just praying about. And they will say, like the woman said to Elijah, now I know about you being a man of God. Now I know that God is real. Who wants to have revival? Who wants to have revival? Woo! Listen. You've heard, you've heard the old adage, revival is coming. And you've even heard the adage, revival is not just coming, revival is here. Let me explain to you what that means. The wind of God began to blow in Acts chapter 2. And it has never stopped. The wind blows where it lists and you hear the sound thereof you can't tell where it's coming from and where it's going but I'm going to tell you prayer will bring the wind fasting will bring the wind sacrificial giving will bring the wind hallelujah preaching the gospel and teaching bible studies it'll bring the wind blow oh wind of God blow oh wind of God upon these dry bones that they may live that they may live that they may live Oh, wind of God. Hallelujah. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost. 
I want somebody who wants it so bad. I want you to come to the front of this house. Say, God, I want to live in revival. I want to walk in revival. I want to be a part of what the Holy Ghost is doing. Yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to... Oh, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel, I feel an unction of prophecy. Hear what I'm telling you right now. Some of the greatest preachers you've never heard, you've ever heard, you've not even met them yet. They're on their way into the Tree of Life Church. Some of the greatest prayer warriors this church will ever know are on their way into the Tree of Life Church. They're not even a part of our assembly yet. They haven't even received the Holy Ghost yet. Right now, they're addicted to drugs. But there's a praying church. There's a fasting church. There's a dedicated church who's going to bring the wind of God to this city in Jesus' name.